Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Kamingo. All right, that all-important time is here once again. Oh, yes, it's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. And, man, do we have a treat in store for you today. I am one of the hosts, Aaron Camaro, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Chris Sinzak. Hey, hey. All right, man. We are going to do something fun today. We've got a guest coming on with us that helped contribute to Rockin' Pod, talking about Patrick Hill. And, man, this is basically 10 songs Patrick Hill thinks you should hear, all tied up into a Radio Sucks radio show. And let me tell you, this guy, he gets it. Oh, yeah. The, he gets The it. song list for today is not going to disappoint. Not at all. But before we get to all that, of course, we got to take care of our business. And our business is reviews and recommendations. And I take a look and I see no Apple podcast reviews left for us once again this week. Yeah, guys. Thankfully, our good friend Neil Johnson has come through on the Facebook recommendation end of things. And he gave us a sweet one. Neil Johnson recommends Decibel Geek Podcast. He says, if you're a fan of hard rock and all its subgenres, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. The two hosts, Chris and Aaron, are extremely knowledgeable, not only about bands, but also about producers and everything that goes into the creation of the music we love, as well as the business side of music. They frequently offer a fresh perspective, and when conducting interviews, they consciously don't ask the same questions that musicians have answered countless times before. Most importantly, they demonstrate that fans of this brand of music are far more intelligent than we're often portrayed to be. Listen to a few episodes. You'll be hooked. Wow. Thank you so much, Neil. Beautiful. That's a great review. I don't even care that we don't have any Apple (laughs) podcast reviews. After that, who cares? That's awesome. But, yeah, for next week, somebody leave a review, please. Please. (laughs) (laughs) This is getting old. Well, last week we had a lot of fun. We just kind of kicked back, talked about what was going on in the world. New noise. That was a good one. I am here to say that I was mistaken. (laughs) Fozzie is not as big as Disturbed, Yeah, um, as I had pointed out to me numerous, 
numerous times throughout the week. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys let it be known loudly that you you did not agree with Aaron on that. And also that Frankie Benelli is not an original member of Quiet Riot. Oh yeah, damn it. Yeah, we got some hell for that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess classic era. I think Frankie Benelli, yeah. Quiet Riot, he had to have been damn close to the beginning, right? I would think so. I don't know. I'm not a Quiet Riot expert. No. Apparently, neither are you. No. <laughs> I do want to read a little bit of the feedback on the uh, the Facebook page for for the episode because there's some interesting stuff on here. One thing that really caught me off guard was a, a person named Gail Santiago. Oh yeah, I read this. This is very informative. And I asked where she got the uh, what her source was for this, but I haven't heard back. But this sounds like some pretty inside information. Yeah. So let's share it with you guys. Some info on the Quiet Riot mess. Durbin gave notice to Benali he wouldn't be resigning for 2020. He gave this notice as required per his contract with several months' advance notice. Frankie is the one who made the resignation immediate instead of letting him finish out 2019 with touring and the album release in November. So he screwed the rest of the band and the record label by leaving them releasing an album featuring a singer no longer in the band. As for the music, Durbin only wrote lyrics and vocal melodies for five out of the 12 songs on the album, not the singles released so far. Even though he rewrote the entire previous album, Road Rage, lyrics, and vocals, mel- vocal melodies, Chuck Wright and Alex Grossi didn't get to write anything at all on the new album. But Nally seems to have a ton of arrogance, control issues, and a lot of jealousy going on. He has also produced this upcoming album himself, and it's a total embarrassment to release such crap in 2019. With current software available, any amateur could have produced slash mixed better. Again, arrogance. As for Benali's no-shows at concerts, he's been MIA since May. He is seriously ill and trying to keep his illness a secret. It will soon be unable to hide any longer. I feel bad for him, but booking shows and not disclosing he no longer plays with the band is deceitful. Durbin, it seems, left the sinking ship at the right time after all. That's a lot to unpack. I mean, I guess if I said, are the Quiet Riot fans pissed off by this? The answer is clearly, some of them, very, very angry. I just wonder who this Gail Santiago is, because... She's got some pretty inside information there about how it all went down. But if it's, uh, and if it's Gail that's a male, I'm sorry, Um, but I, I... but yeah, there's a lot of like, how would this person know that what he wrote for the album and everything? And also I, about the, the illness with Frankie, I mean, obviously this is all speculation from somebody that we don't know. Right. So anyone in the quiet riot camp, if you're listening, we're not saying this is valid. Cause I don't know. I mean, that's up to Frankie to say what's going on with him, but, but apparently he's not, if he's seriously ill, I'm uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, for you know, sure. Because he's, you know, he's. I know some people have issues with him, but uh, you know, he's he's a veteran of the the music we love. And, he's a rock legend for sure. Yeah, and I I hope he's okay because that, that that his health is above any of this other stuff. Right. You know. Definitely. James Durbin. You know, I you know I think um, he's a young guy. He's ready to move on with his career, and you know I I don't blame him for doing what he did. It seemed like the split was amicable to me, but. I don't know. This person seems to know a lot. The timing's odd. Yeah, and see that the way they tell the story with the weird timing like that, I mean, it kind of would make sense. But again, we don't know. We don't know who this is. Tell you this about James Durbin. We went and seen that Jeremy Asprock benefit that time. Mm -hmm. He tore the ass out of Victim of Changes live in concert. (laughs) That was amazing. It was amazing. That dude can wail. Yeah, great singer. And Courtney Cronin Dold, our good friend, said, Great episode, guys. Aaron Aaron's giggle always freaking makes me laugh. Great <laughs> topics. I learned a lot today. <laughs> we love Courtney. Yeah. So much we play her silly little games. Uh, David Cathy said, Roger Goodell likes the Wiggles. I believe that. Yeah. So I believe that. Maybe we'll get a halftime show with them. 
And then, oh uh, God, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem that far fetched, right? And then Sean Cullen uh, on the topic about the Super Bowl halftime show said, "Aaron's right, complaining that during the season they crank snippets from hard rock songs only to act like it doesn't exist come Super Bowl time." Still, like Chris said, the NFL has treated the Super Bowl game experience as if the actual game were a complete afterthought, so it makes sense. I remember 12 years ago for the release of that year's Madden game, EA trotted out Ozzy to perform at their event in New York, but again, it's in service of the core demographic, i.e. dudes. Right, video game dudes playing football video games. Yeah, Yeah. same thing with the song selection in the game's menu. One other factor that explains why the NFL gets whom they get for the halftime show is Janet Jackson. After that, they retreated to the safest of acts, Prince notwithstanding. Last game I actually watched was 50, and I used halftime to hit the turlet and grab some food. (laughs) Otherwise, I follow the reactions on social media. I guess what I'm saying is I sympathize, but given how the league operates, it makes sense. Oh, well. Yeah, here's what it is. And then for the Disturbed thing, John Budnick, great podcast, guys. I live in Orlando, and Disturbed played Amway Arena last month, while Fozzie played House of Blues last year. And then uh, Kevin Jepson said Disturbed is way bigger than Fozzie. Plus, yeah. plus Jericho just lip syncs over tracks. Disturbed plays live. And to be clear, I don't care that Fozzie uses tracks, but it was a little disappointing live. Huh. I did not know that. I've heard rumors about that, but I didn't know if it was legit or not. But, uh, wow. If that's the case, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, we put the poll up in the uh, Decibel Geek community group. And, yeah. man, yeah, definitely 100%. Almost. Well, not 100%. Not 100%. But I think but, people were saying which band they liked more. Right. You know, rather than which band which they thought was a bigger. Argument, that's a totally think, different argument. But I think the people that understood what we were talking about <laughs> have made it well and clear to me right. that I was mistaken. Yeah. You were. I know, as I've been told over and over again. But we'll move on. But that was last week's episode. I know some people really loved that a lot. We had fun doing it. And the people that loved it the most, well, they're the ones that got out and shared and retweeted it. And those people are our honorary Geeks of the Week. That's right. Geeks of the Week this week are Kevin Williams, Kristen Schimbeck, Todd Rogers, Baco, Cobras and Fire, CGCM Podcast, Trevor McDougal, Jeff Reed, Growing Up Rock, Darren Park and Andy LaFon, Dan Nation, Brian Harris, Shay Hargett, Mike Parnell, David Glenn, Wayne Cross, Adam Cox, Mark Alden-Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Sean Cullen, Jessica Pone, James West, Mikhail Burrell, Brad Schick, Scott Smith, Jeff Taylor, Sepsis, Christopher Stokes, J.J. Mack, Ernesto Aguiar, Robin the Hood, Eric Sinzak. I know that guy. He's my brother. Yeah, me too. Jeff Mendenhall, Eladio, Aaron Michael Baker, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. All right. Well, before we get into all the awesome music that Patrick Hill is serving up for us today, mm-hmm. I think there's something we need to kind of talk about because it's kind of become a thing in our social media circles. <laughs> you know, our good friend and the man who puts together Decibel Geek TV, Rock and Ron, just last night, as of the recording of this, went to see Sebastian Bach uh-huh. in his town, Golden, Colorado. Yeah, is where they were. I saw the promo for it. You know, mm-hmm. I saw the commercial they had for it. Even before all this happened, I was like, Sebastian Bach cuts a promo. You know, he tells people, get your asses down to the show. And I say, man, that's what I love about Sebastian Bach. You know, mm-hmm. he can put some asses in the seats by getting out there and getting you excited about the show. Yeah. Man, Ron was excited about the show. He was. He was super excited to be there. You know, everybody loves Skid Row. Everybody loves those old classic songs off that first album. And Rock and Ron was ready to be there to capture it, to share it in all its glory on Decibel Geek TV. Yeah. But that's when things went awry. Yeah. It uh, went awry really quickly, yeah. apparently. And um, I don't know, man. Um, and basically, we'll give the... Let's give the background of what, well, should we go into what happened with Ron first or to give the background on why it happened to Ron? I guess go into what happened to Ron first and then try to explain it from there. 
Okay. Because I don't truly think I understand. Oh, I mean, I think it makes sense with what we know in hindsight from the history of, of our dealings with Sebastian, which we I don't think we've really publicly talked about it other than on no, Patreon. maybe a little bit for the VIPs. But um, so Ron messages Aaron and I really late last night and uh, says, well, that didn't go well. Apparently, Sebastian is still holding a grudge. And uh, said, I saw Brent, Brent Woods yeah. from the band and Ron's friends with Brent. Said, I saw Brent during sound check, said hi, all good, I thought. Then the girl who picked up Bach from his hotel tells me that he said to tell Anthony from Wolfpack, who's the promoter, that he specifically doesn't want the guy from Decibel Geek filming him because they did an interview where they misquoted him and said things he never said. See, and that's where I'm confused He's by wrong. that because we've never interviewed Sebastian Bach, none of our writers. No. Even at DecibelGeek.com. We've tried. Have ever. <laughs> interviewed Sebastian Bach. Yeah, last time he was in Nashville and we were doing the albums Unleashed with Michael Wagner, the original plan was for Sebastian Bach to be a part of that. Yeah, that was for Slave to the Grind. And we thought how cool, you know, Sebastian Bach's gonna love this, yeah, you know. And the Michael opportunity was... to come hang out with Michael at his studio and reminisce about the cl- making of this classic album. Mm-hmm. We thought, man, Sebastian's gonna love us for setting this up. Yeah, and we we try I tried every way I could to to reach him and and I know that the request got to him. I mean we even went through Brent Woods himself and but it just didn't happen and that's fine. Not everybody has time to, to do interviews. It's right. fine. We didn't really I didn't I wasn't upset about it. Um because Michael was definitely game for doing it. Yeah, he he, he wanted to do it. He was excited as much yeah. as we thought Sebastian would be. So it didn't happen. Sebastian played that Friday night here locally and it was a great show. And then uh, our friend Metal Mike from uh, uh, Decibel Geek, he he does photography for yeah. Decibel Geek. He M- came he MDG, came with us. MDG photography. Yeah, MDG photography. He was he came with us, and um, we recorded the episode. It went great. Michael signed Mike's album, and it went all good. Well, then fast forward to a couple of months later, Mike has a chance to meet Sebastian in Kentucky. And let me, because I had Mike send me kind of a recollection of, of what happened, because it's been a few years now, yeah. and I, I wanted to make sure I was getting this correct. So let me read a little bit of what he sent me. That's so crazy. It's been so many years ago now. Yeah, but I mean, like, I didn't want to do this where, you know, it's it's speculation. This is what really happened. If my document will open. Mike gets an opportunity to see him in Louisville. And these are his words, because I wanted to get his recollection of what happened. He says, I went to Bach's show here in Louisville a few years back. It was a couple months or so after we all went to Michael Wagner's home studio. The show had recently released, and I wanted to make sure that a member of the band that gave you this landmark of an album in my life heard this episode. How rad would that be, right? Couldn't have turned out worse. I went to the meet and greet, which was after the show. Everyone else had the meet and greet before. How cool is this getting ready to be, right? I had the show loaded onto a flash drive and in my hand ready to pass it off. Sebastian's road manager at the time looked exactly like Faith No More, the real thing era Jim Martin, which caught me off guard for a second. (laughs) I thought that was the coolest shit ever. I'm backstage with Sebastian and the kinda Jim Martin. I was kinda on the Guns N' Roses Skid Row and Faith No More from 91, 92, right? (laughs) I love how Mike adds extra stories. Sebastian came over and was as cool as he could be. One of my all-time favorite singers just shook my hand and was right there in front of me. The bass, the classic, super cool, super animated bass. I told him about the tour manager being Jim Martin's twin, and he cracked up and said, holy shit, you're right. Coolest (laughs) shit ever, right? And then I handed Sebastian my Slave to the Grind LP, and he held it for a second and checked it out. He seemed to think it was cool that I had the actual LP. We talked for a second about the artwork. When he saw an autograph already on it, he didn't seem like, fuck, which 
guy, one of the, which one of those guys signed this or anything. He just said, that's awesome. And added his signature. He really seemed genuine. And I think that think he really was, he was really, wasn't really like all too common. Thanks for coming to the meet and greet. Here's a photo and an autograph. Be on your way. Now uh-huh. he asked me who had already signed it. And that's when I told him about the episode and it was Michael Wagner's signature. I gave him the flash drive and, and told him all about it. He cut me off and said, that was you. I told him that I wasn't one of the interviewers. I'm just pretty much a friend and staff member of Decibel Geek and that I was there at the recording. He told me that Michael Wagner had said some real negative comments about Sebastian in regards to getting a good vocal from him in the studio and that it was hard. As far as I remember, Michael did mention working with him on vocals, but I think it was far from bashing Sebastian. Yeah, I don't think so either. He told me that if I ever see Michael again to tell him that he would never work with him again, he went ahead and took the flash drive, finished signing a poster for me, and that pretty much just told me, see you later. The mood was a complete 180. I was pretty bummed out, but whatever. I really just think that he mistook what had went down on the episode. And Chris, if you remember, which I'm sure you do, we reached out to him to be a part of the episode since he would be at the show in Nashville. Yep, we sure did. Michael seemed more than willing to have Bach at his place and do the episode together. To me, if he really had some kind of problem, I don't think he would have wanted to be a part of it. Oh, I'm over whatever that weird meetup was about and still dig Sebastian and Skid Row. Everyone has a bad day, I guess. I recently shot Sebastian's show in Lexington for another online outlet. I didn't meet him or anything like that, but I will tell you that he sounded fantastic and seemed like he was having a blast on stage. And I was not wearing a desk yeah, exactly. at the time. <laughs> and it, said, it sounded better than I've heard him, honestly. Bass is still in the, at the top of the list of all my favorite singers. Fucking great show, man. Sucks to hear that he still has some bad ju- juju floating around with Decibel Geek. I think it could could be squashed pretty easily. And he said, I would sure hope so. And he said, P.S. We're all fans, man. Slave to the Grind is one of the most important albums I grew up with. Hearing the inside scoop on the making of it with the album's producer in person in his own studio was fucking awesome. All the stories of all the work and hard shit that went into the making of that album make it that much fucking better, in my opinion. Sorry to hear that he still takes it as a personal attack, but at the same time, this is all kind of ironic because all that angst just reinforces how great that album is. Let's squash the misunderstanding. Have Sebastian on an episode of Decibel Geek. I think so. You know, and that's <laughs> and that's really truly. I agree with Mike one hundred percent on that because what I took away from that wasn't Michael Wagner going, "Oh yeah, we oh Sebastian Bach, ugh, yeah, we had to work so hard to get that out of him." What I took away from that was we took the recording of this album so damn seriously yeah. that everybody wanted to deliver the best thing that they could, and Sebastian Bach put in the work. Right. And got it done. You know, that's what I took out of it. So, you know, it makes you respect it that much more, like Mike says. But I don't think that Sebastian took it that way. Apparently not. But I don't understand. You know, we don't want another Vinnie Vincent situation. We love Sebastian Bach. We have always sung the praises of Sebastian Bach from the early stuff all the way to what he's doing now. You know, we loved the solo stuff. We've always talked about it favorably yeah you know and it bums us out that sebastian bach hates us over what we (laughs) gotta figure is some sort of misunderstanding i mean it has to be because i mean like michael was incredibly gracious about everything and and i don't think he was negative about sebastian at all in that interview and you know and it also may be a case of somebody that listened to it going to him and 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 embellishing how what he said but either way it's you know, we're just the interviewers. You should have you know. listened to Mike's hard drive. He took the time to put it on there for you. Yeah, but so to get back to what happened with Ron last night, so I explained, you know, they didn't want him filming. And Which sucks because, like you said, how many people are down there with camera phones? Yeah. Here's the guy with all the best professional equipment to make you look as 
fantastic as you can possibly look and put it on Decibel Geek TV and you don't want him filming for this? Yeah, and then he said, this was told to me just before the show was going to start and I was already set up because I filmed some of the Cobra and the Lotus's set. Shout out to Cobra and the good, Lotus. Good band, and they were very happy to be filmed and get exposure. Good, and awesome. He, and uh, Ron's wife was working the door and he said, so I was talking to her contemplating whether I should risk filming anything when his manager found me and went off on me saying if he sees me recording, he'll have me removed and if I post any video, he will sue Decibel Geek. Oh, no. They're going to come take my CDs, Chris. I know. That's all I got. <laughs> and good luck getting blood out of a stone. But um, this that is... sucks, man. I mean, it, this, talk about blowing something out of proportion. And if I, you know, I don't know if Sebastian's listening to this for anyone that is connected to him is, but listen, people like Ron, people like us, we are, we're not doing anything for like gotcha journalism or anything like we do this because we love the music and the artists right we're certainly not getting rich off of this no so there's no benefit to it other than the fact that we are doing what we can to help the world know that sebastian bach is still out there touring that sebastian bach is still coming out with new music you know all these bands all these artists yeah. the hard rock we're doing everything we can to keep it alive and from everything i know about sebastian bach he should love and appreciate that. You I would know, think you would so. think he would. But I know, and I. And it's got to be some kind of stupid b- misunderstanding. Whatever anger he has is misplaced on this yeah, one. Yeah, definitely. He's mistaken. So let's put it out there. Sebastian Bach, come on the Decibel Geek podcast. Let's hash this out. And then you can come to Rockin' Pod yeah. and find out just how awesome the good podcasters really are because there's good ones and there's bad ones. But we're one of the good ones. To back up Rock and Ron, you know, he didn't deserve any of this shit. No, and that's what sucks about it because Rock and Ron was there 100% to get Sebastian Bach and his band at their show in Golden, Colorado as awesomely as they can and present it to the world. Once again, also doing what we're doing and sharing with the world that Sebastian Bach is still out here kicking ass and rocking and rolling. So I, I, I mean, I think Ron deserves an apology. For it that. sucks for sure because I it really pissed me off. And again, now you take a guy who's a huge fan and you've heard him. Yeah, and he didn't even do anything. He's he there for there the right reasons, you. you know. And he does these these videos. He doesn't get paid a dime for it. He does it just purely out of supporting us and the music, right? And he did not deserve to be treated that way. So honestly, I think their team handled this completely wrong, and and I don't appreciate it. But uh, but yeah, I mean the offers out there. If Sebastian wants to come on and talk about this or talk about music or whatever, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I do want to vent a little bit because the way Ron was treated was bullshit, in my opinion. Bullshit, total bullshit. Yeah. Or if you have anger towards us, don't take it out on somebody else. Right. Come to us with somebody it. Somebody wants to be awesome and help you out. You yeah. Know, make you look good. So, you know, I posted the cryptic post last night just because I was pissed at the time. But, uh, but yeah, that those of you that keep flooding my inbox with, well, what happened? That's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> so um, so I anyway. guess with that wrapped up, we go back to what we do best. And that's showcase hard rock and classic metal, stuff you may have missed. You're going to get a ton of it today with our guest, Patrick Hill. I've been listening, I think, at least two years now. I work as a professor with a university here in Indiana, uh, so I travel a lot. So oh. podcasts are, are my friend. Yeah. 
So, you know, I've searched around and, and uh, you know, just trying stuff out. And, and, you know, I think what drew me to you guys is, you know, even um, at, at your worst, you guys showed the absolute love of rock and roll and, and a, the dedication and the friendship that I just really appreciate and enjoy listening to each week. We just have fun with it, and that's that's the best we can do. Yeah. So, wow, professor from Indiana. This that's is cool. cool. And the, What are you a professor of? Labor studies. Actually, the interdisciplinary study of, of looking at working work workers, working class uh, organizations like unions and things like that. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. I've always this is an interesting thing I've always heard and seen that if Americans would go to a four day work week, life would be so much better. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, people look at it in the context of you know we we go it from basically when this country started of working from sunup to sundown to kind of the twelve hour day to kind of the ten hour day, and then finally legislation in the nineteen thirties gave us the. Uh, uh, 40 hour work week, the, you know, uh, eight divided by five. Right. I would like it better four days myself because that would free up more time to go to concerts and rock and roll and things like that. Yeah, true. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I was, uh, got away from the concert scene for quite a while. You know, I just kind of got away from it for several years. And in, in the past five years, I think we, we average probably about at least 20 to 25 concerts a season. That's awesome. Got to support <clears throat> that rock and roll to keep it alive. Going over your playlist that you're going to spend today, I mean, you've got a, a pretty cool amount of stuff on here. Some some old, some new, and some stuff that I hadn't even, hadn't even heard before. Looks like you, you kind of grew up around the same era that we did, and but I do appreciate that you're playing some stuff that's newer also. So I'm excited to get into these. But Yeah, this is really awesome. I went through this list. I was like, like you said, a bunch of stuff that I'm familiar with but didn't really know well and some things I'd never heard before. But I can tell you, after going through this list, I updated my CD want list Yeah, with a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know anything about. That's great because, you know, I get the same thing from you guys when I when I listen to the Radio Sex uh, and the New Blood and stuff like that. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, I got to go to Amazon and add my... <laughs> <laughs> my, new, my new wish list here. Yeah, cool. I know it. So let's get into let's get into the music. What's the first one you want to play for us? Coming up as a musician, uh, when I got into things, you know, we traded tapes. I'm sure you guys did too before CDs and MP3s. And somebody gave me Under Lock and Key. Now, as a Dawkins person, you know, eh, Dawkins can be a little sappy at times. But the first thing I heard, man, coming out of this thing is this incredible guitar. And I just fell in love with George Lynch and have been a fan ever since. Um, so with my first pick, I, I went to kind of one I think I overlooked a little bit, and that was the album called Kill All Control, and the song's called Flies on the Wall.
uh, Keith St. John, and, and, and I'm probably going to say his name wrong, Marky Torian from the Bullet Boys, yeah. guesting on this track. And, and it was kind of one of those uh, CDs that got thrown together. It was supposed to be a follow-up to uh, Souls of We, which was a, a Lynch kind of uh, alternative project, if you want to call it that. You know, Lennon Legrand only recorded a few songs for it, mm. split, and George just went on to, you know, kind of grab a hodgepodge of singers to come in and, and you know, just make an album, I think, that, that really actually, you know, like I said, just got kind of overlooked in the, the shadow of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, that one came out in 2011, and that's a trip about that album because there's four different vocalists on it. And, man, that song, Flies on the Wall, is something else because you can hear Mark Torian in it. You can hear Keith St. John, London. I think all, I don't know if all four of them sing on it, but I mean, there's a bunch of different voices going on in that song. And that album is a trip. I, yeah. That's one I definitely <laughs> added to the list. I got to check that out. And Patrick, did you, have you had the pleasure of seeing George play live over the years? Yeah, I've, I've seen him uh, actually multiple times. I uh, got to meet him on one occasion. Really nice guy. And, um, you know, a lot of artists, sometimes you get, you know, maybe, one album every four years or so and and just here lately he's been on an explosive growth you guys have had you know kxm he's been doing uh various load of different projects sweet lynch if you guys haven't heard that i I didn't really add that to this list but if you're kind of the more old school docking thing that really kind of flows guitar playing wise in that in that old docking vibe i've never had the pleasure of seeing him live i've never seen docking live or anything he's done on a side project but uh, I remember about a year ago, and I think it was maybe one of our contributors, but it was a, it was him doing Mr. Scary live on a video, and he's one. I mean, everybody talks about Eddie Van Halen, Ingve, and, and people like that, but like he he needs his name should come up a lot more often because yes. he was a, an incredibly unique force, especially back in the '80s. Like there really wasn't anyone that had the same tone that he did, and um, if you ever get to see him do Mr. Scary live, it's just incredible like just an incredible player and plus he can kick your ass he's a pretty buff guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's he's been uh he's been working out but you know it's it's odd that you say that it's he actually in several interviews is is actually credited uh guy you had on quite often uh michael wagner uh the producer for getting the best tone he's ever got but you know you know if you listen across the spans of his collection from the lynch mob to kxm thing uh, sweet lynch all these different things that he's done. I think, you know, his unique style, because, you know, he, by his own admission, is not really a technically proficient guitarist. And <laughs> and as a guitarist myself, it's like, you know, saying that is like incredibly insane because you're sitting there trying to figure out all these things that he does. But, you know, it, it just creates a, a truly unique tone and feel, especially what is often called the gothic octave. Your your hands just kill because they you have to stretch so far to to make it happen. That's right. awesome. That's why <laughs> that's what makes him one of a kind guitar player. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm definitely gonna check out more of that. Yeah, thanks for uh, for turning us on to that one. Um, so what's what's your next choice? Uh, my next choice is kind of another one you guys are familiar with. Jeff Scott Soto uh, project. Jeff is kind of really recognized, I, I guess, among the true rock fans, but you know has never really hit kind of the big time is uh, closest claim to fame was uh, it was an extent journey of course most of us knowing from his time with Ingve Mendelstein on the first two <laughs> records yeah so what to me is kind of like you know what would have happened if he'd got to, that chance to stay in journey and you know kind of create some um, a little bit heavier melodic rock so i chose the song one love off the first red album 
which kind of highlights, you know, that pop sensibility, but yet has, you know, that muscular under guitar tone and, and driving rhythm. hit single of 1987 for sure yeah I, I i love that about wet i mean it's i still can't get over the name i it's just and then i get it's a you know it's represents the three bands that these guys came from but uh it's a strange band name but 
you know, Eric Martinson, everybody that listens to the show knows I'm a massive Eclipse fan. So anything he's involved in is, is good with me. And then, you know, to have Jeff Scott Soto come on board to do vocals is just, that's a great combination. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, if you haven't checked out Wet or Eclipse or, um, even, you know, Sons of Apollo that, that, that Soto's done, um, you're not doing yourself any favors because they're, they're really solid stuff. And this is, one of those, like, there's a lot of quote unquote super groups these days, but this is actually one that has put out a lot of quality material. And my only regret is that they, they, ne- I don't know that we'll ever see a tour of the states with them, but I, I would really love to, to see this band live for sure. Yeah. If you're a fan of right. the old classic 80s White Snake yeah. and bands like that, I mean, this is going to be right up your alley. Yeah. I, I think so. And, and yeah, it is, it is a real shame. Maybe, you know, one of the, uh, cruises or something could book wet or festival or something like that. Um, but that's probably about the only way we'll ever get to see them over here. Um, but I, on the reverse side, you know, it, it introduced me to, uh, you know, work of art and a clip as bands that, you know, I now enjoy as well, just because I was following Jeff Scott Soto. Awesome. Well, speaking of super groups, I really like your next pick. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. It starts out as a super group. So my third pick was the group blue murder. Mm-hmm. So everybody really kind of knows the first album, uh, Tony Franklin, Carmine Peace, uh, and John Sykes. You know, it, it hit to massive acclaim and, you know, stellar sales. But then as Carmine and, and um, Tony left the band, uh, John Sykes continues on with Blue Murder and puts out a couple more albums. And I think they kind of got overlooked, particularly this one. The song is called We All Fall Down.
shaking on the stream. Your little sister's starving, and there ain't no food to eat. She's looking for the dealer, she's trying to find some crack. Well, tell your little sister, mama won't be coming back. Oh, it's almost suicide. up rock and roll the hard driving rhythm uh sort of track that just you know you just when you hear it come on it's like yeah let's go <laughs> yeah yeah this is one of them albums for sure that got lost in the shuffle of the music scene of 1993 because this is really truly you got to put this up there as one of those unsung albums that a true hidden treasure yeah that nobody i mean i had it but mm-hmm. I'm weird. But I had it in 1993. I got it. I was excited about it. And it's a great album, a really great album, but nobody really knows about it. Yeah, it, it doesn't get the, the fanfare that the first one got because that, that one came out at the right time, you know, and it, there was a lot of press for that one. But, yeah, there's just there's so many lost gems from those early yeah. 90s years of bands like this where it was amazing material, but it just got completely overshadowed by what was going on with trends. But... I don't know any John Sykes. I, I, I think I've liked every project he's been involved in. Oh, yeah. I love the Tigers of Pantang stuff. I love his work with Thin Lizzy, obviously. White Snake, Blue Murder. I just wish he was put out, putting out more stuff today. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a cool record, and that was a great song pick. I did. I do love on the on the track listing or on the listings. It says Studio John Sykes's home studio. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and evidently, where he spends a lot of his time in things. I'm interested. Have you guys heard the the some of the the, the bits of psyops, the supposedly new album that's coming out? I haven't got to hear any of it yet. Is it cool? What I've heard so far is pretty decent. It's, it's a little bit. It sounds a little bit different. Um, so I I don't know. You know, he's pretty much become like such a recluse that it's it's hard to get anything other than these little bits and snippets of stuff that happens to leak out. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what John Sykes in, in 2019, 2020 is, you know, doing. Yeah, he's, sure. he's a bit of a <clears throat> he's a bit of a mystery person. Because, yeah, yeah, other than musical output back in the day, there's not a lot known about him as a person. So I um, 
Yeah, Love I'm looking to have him on to the that. show. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be a that would be a bucket list interview right oh, there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, I guess in the meantime, I just got to recommend everybody go check out that album. Nothing but trouble came out in '93. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. They do a really cool cover of Ichiku Park on there mm-hmm. by the Small Faces. <laughs> rock it out. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody was going to mention that. I love that cover. Uh, oh man, yeah. I love that cover. And the song that you played, "We All Fall Down." Mm-hmm. I mean, I listen to that and I go. Yeah, this guy picked up a little something from Phil Linet when it came to songwriting. Because that sounds like one of my, like, this is the style of my favorite Thin Lizzy songs. Hard rocking Mm -hmm. with just a great, just well-written song. And that one right there, it totally reminds me of something you could have heard Phil doing off of Thunder and Lightning. And I think sure. I think if Phil not to divert this into a thin Lizzie discussion because I want to, but um, but I think <laughs> I think had Phil lived and you know cleaned up, I think those two probably would have done a lot more work together yeah. over the years because they they seem to be of yeah. one mind back in, when Thunder and Lightning came yeah. out. Phil Lynott probably would have been the lead singer of Blue Murder. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. very well could have been. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard of the One Live Night. Uh, his uh, you know the the basically his version of Thin Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was very interesting. Um, you know, he's not a bad vocalist in his own right, but yeah, you definitely feel like, uh, he took a lot of lessons from Phil during that, you know, the short amount of time they were together. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So, uh, so what do you got for us next? Well, my next one is, as, as again, somebody you guys have kind of, uh, carried the banner for over the years and that's Kane Roberts. Former, obviously, former guitarist for Alice Cooper, uh, most notably known for his, you know, big muscles and the machine gun guitar. <laughs> yeah. But he, you know, he put out an album, Saints and Sinners, back in the day. Uh, just kind of post. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure where exactly in the line it fell. Whether it was post uh, Hey Stupid for Alice or kind of just in that general area. But you know, a more melodic rock album. Mm-hmm. Uh, by by far, and most people would would probably have maybe have heard the song "Does Anybody Ever Fall in Love Anymore," which was uh, pinned by Bon Jovi, yeah, um, and re- and recorded on that album. But this one was the track that is just it, it still remains on my iPod playlist, um, just because it's such a, a cool track, and that's the track "Fighter." <laughs>
that's an awesome song. This yeah. album, I listened to some of this after checking that out. Oh, it's a good album. And I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, oh, Chris Sinzak could just love no. this. Just love oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know, what, what's so familiar about these songs? And then I look up who produced it. <laughs> and it co-wrote and, all and of co-wrote it. co-wrote all the songs <laughs> on the album. I'm like, oh, I know why Chris Sinzak would love this so much. I do love this album. This has got Desmond Child stamped yep. all over oh, it. Oh, yeah. It easily could have oh, been a Desmond oh. Child album. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much is. Again, if this one was coming out instead of coming out in 1991 if that was coming out in say 87 88 around in there massive yeah every song on this album would have been a top 10 hit single well and i i love it oh easily i love it for the fact that i mean i know desmond co-wrote a lot of stuff on here but it really showed off that kane was more than just a a big muscular guy that played for alice cooper he's actually an incredibly talented guy and uh yeah, this album could have been much bigger if it came out earlier. But uh, another weird thing on this one: Myron Grombacher plays drums on this, and um, he uh, he was Pat Benatar's drummer for a very very long time. Little side story because this is kind of funny. Our friend Earl Skakel, who's a comedian out in L.A., he he was doing he was working with a comedy like an online comedy channel to do little skits and stuff. Okay, and he had found out that Myron Grombacher actually doesn't play music anymore he's actually a car salesman at like a high-end car dealership out in california okay and his idea and he pitched this to myron and it did not get taken well but uh his idea was they would film a skit where he goes to this car dealership and is wanting to buy a car and myron is the salesman and he's like well you want to take it for a spin and they're riding in the car together and uh, a pat benatar song comes on and Myron goes, so what do you think? And he's like, oh, the car is great, but that drummer absolutely sucks. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, Myron didn't see the humor in that, so no, it didn't go well. <laughs> but uh, And I did meet Myron at, uh, at the NAMM show a couple of years ago. He's a very nice man. But, uh, but yeah, no, the Kane, Kane Roberts, and, it, and he put out something like a year ago, right? I mean, yes. yeah. Yeah, this one I think if i'm not mistaken was a little more hard rocking than yeah. what we got here yeah for sure but yeah saints and sinners that uh, you know i'm if, guilty i love you, it <laughs> if you love the bon jovi you need to go buy this album immediately yeah if you're a bon jovi fan if you're a fan of what i would consider the very worst of Def leopard you need Aww. to go get this album because <laughs> oh, i'm just saying like if you're harsh. into ballads and this style of upbeat kind of music yeah i'm telling you if you love bon jovi you got to have this yeah, endorsed by me. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is definitely like you said. The the, the Desmond Child Bon Jovi is um, high AOR, yes. you know, radio friendly uh, stuff. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. Here, here's a challenge for you guys. If you can go, I, I had a little trouble tracking it down. But Kane was for a short bit in a, in a band called Phoenix Rising, mm-hmm. um, and they did a cover of a Steel Dragon song, and it is just absolutely will tear your head off. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. I'll make a note to do that. Steel Dragon. I, I did. Yeah, the, the uh, Rockstar fake band from Rockstar, the movie. Oh, okay. All right. Uh-huh. That's cool. I'll check that out. All right. So, uh, so what, we're going we're going strong so far. What's your next choice? The best Dio song that didn't end up on a Dio album, and it's called Tonight, and it's uh, was on Eddie Ojeda's solo album. Eddie, of course, from uh, Twisted Sister. Uh, most notably, and and again another album I, I kind of put on there because it it just kind of got washed away in the uh, in today's music marketplace, right? Right. 
and uh, it has a lot of cool tracks, but I, I just really, um, you know, not only for the love of Ronnie James Dio and his vocals and his lyrics and stuff like that, but, you know, it just was just killer music behind it. And uh, I thought it deserved a, you know, highlight to be uh, put out there on a show like this. And, and so, you know, fans can go find it if for nothing, you know, if they don't like any of the other tracks and, and, and again, it's kind of like Lynch's album. There's a lot of different vocalists and a lot of different people playing on it. Yeah. This track is, is to me, is worth the price of admission. I didn't even know about no. the CD. 
Th- that song this. makes me think about what would it be like if Dio was the singer of Twisted Sister? Because to me, the song is totally just a straight up awesome Twisted Sister right. song, but it's Dio singing it. Yeah, I love that. It's such a unique song. Yeah, as soon as I saw that and it had Dio on it, and that album's got D. Snyder up. Yeah, in appearance. Terry on. There's, there's all kinds of cool people that show up on Joe Lynn Turner's on yep. this album. And a lot yep. of great stuff. Good old Eddie Fingers. I have to. I definitely have to check this out because I'm. I'm interested to hear what these songs sound like. That's great. I mean, I, I, that's an excellent. The, the, you totally turned me on to this. I've never heard this before. I'll get you a library card to the Decibel Geek Studio. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I may not return it though. Oh well, you get it revoked then. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, those uh, those uh, late charges are killer. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna keep the twisted sister type theme going with your next pick, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and again, an, an album that kind of got washed away in the, the sea of things, and, and that was a, a D project called Widowmaker. Love it. Some of a pretty good roster for this this thing. Uh, of course, probably the most notable one people would would hear from would be uh, Al Petrelli, the guitarist, yep. uh, who's been in I think pretty much everybody's band at this yeah. point in time. Uh, Fresh out of Alice Cooper, by the time he's doing this album. Yep. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just a really good hard rock album. And again, a lot of good tunes to spin and it, it was kind of hard picking one, but I, you know, they, they do this great one in this particular track called a reason to kill, I, I think was appropriate for October, uh, which we're in. Hopefully maybe this will get to air. Uh, it's got kind of the, that Halloween feel to it. Lyrics to go like, I see, I see fingers touch my shoulder. Tell me, ain't that a reason to kill? It's not only D, it's just great, you know, ambiance and feel to it. Uh, but the whole album, really, uh, is is worth a, a spin. In the cold tonight, now the wind is blowing. Icy fingers clutch my shoulder. Put my trust in you, now was I know. Now I'm wiser, now I'm older. So you use me, then throw me away. Well, Lord knows you and your reasons. Trying to play a game, but all you gave was pain. Tell me, ain't that a reason I can't? All that I've seen, beats that building dreams I knew would be broke by you. 
Patrick, you are picking some damn good songs to highlight here today because so far we've picked a lot of songs that are so deep that mm-hmm. I don't think most people probably know about them. You know, you might have one or two in there that know about some of these songs, but for the most part, these are all lost classics. And that Widowmaker album, Blood and Bullets, is yep. fantastic. It's D. Snyder. What's not to love about that? And it's a little different than Twisted Sister because remember this is 1992, yeah. And you got to feel for a guy like D. Schneider. He's trying to do something different, something mm-hmm. a little bit heavier. Definitely def- different than Twisted Sister for sure, yeah. But he's D. Schneider, so anything he does is going to automatically sound like Twisted Sister, right? But this album is so good. Uh, another cool thing I found about this album is this one came out in 1992. The drummer Joe Franco also played on Blue Saracino's Plaid. Oh, no in, kidding. We were just talking about that record earlier. On VIP, we talked about yeah. Blue Saracino. That's cool. You know, there's a guy, uh, Blue Saracino, that's not a houseman name that is just absolutely freaking phenomenal. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I lo- and I, I love that there's a lot of uh, contribution from Bernie Torme on this Widowmaker record. Like He, yeah. he wrote a lot of the songs with D. And... Um, Another cool cover is on this record, the cover of Evil by Willie Dixon. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's, that's a super cool. awesome cover. I think um, Dead Daisies wound up doing a cover of Absolutely. that like you know. a year or two ago. But, yeah, that's that song's – it's always good when it's covered. I just yeah. And it's cool that it goes all the way back to Willie Dixon. Yeah, know? Danzig does an awesome cover. You owe them too. some money, Led Zeppelin. Uh. Um, but, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, well, and, and D is, uh, you know, he's he's done a very variety of different projects. Um, so, you know, Desperado, you know, you kind of have to find it on the uh, on on the uh, non official market. Um, but again, Bernie Torme, a lot of a lot of good stuff there. Uh, he had a good solo album where he picked up a couple of these songs and remade it for never the uh, never I suppose it never let the bastards get you down. I believe was the name of it. Good stuff, real good stuff. It is. All right. So where are we going to go next? Well, I'm going back to my uh, my main homie, Mr. George Lynch, for one that I think most Dawkins fans, you know, ran out and got, but most everybody else did because it, it wasn't a super huge seller. But Lynch Pilsen, often referred to in interviews as LP, and the song is A Breath and a Scream.
Yeah, it's a great song. I, I love this album. It came out in 2003. Yeah. That's about the time Dawkins coming out with A Long Way Home. Yeah. Jeff Pilson sounds a lot like Don Dawkins when he, he sings on here. Yeah. I don't know if it's that much of a stretch to say this might be the better Dawkins album of that era. Right. That's a safe bet. I mean, I would say so. I, um, 2003, the timing was not great for this. Um, and then also the label was Spitfire, which uh, a lot of a lot of great albums got released on yeah. Spitfire at that time, but just no money to promote any of them. So uh, it, it definitely got buried in the mix. Uh, if you want to get it on CD, it's available on Amazon for $40. Wow. So it's, uh, that, that one's going to be a little tough to come by if There's you want another it. song on there called Vaccine Ooh. that is badass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. That I love that you know you're you're right in the right mind frame of what we do because yeah. you're you're turning people on to to stuff where you're like you know George Lynch, you know Jeff Pilson, but you may n- have never heard this before. Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? And and this and this this one definitely appeals to the more you know everybody thinking well, DACA and you know eh, you know they're just they're you know thinking in my dreams and maybe some of the more sappy stuff that hit. Uh, higher end radio this this one's a real rocker um the album and, and the song in particular just really you know it, it turns up the uh turns up the not only the shred but the you know just the just the overall heavy feel uh of what these two could do together yeah, yeah. i would uh, i would take this record over shadow life any day <laughs> yeah not, not a fan of shadow life. you and about 50 billion others yeah that's true yeah george lynch recently was on a show called talking shred and this is always what I love about George Lynch person, you know, his personality. He says, uh, I'm not supposed to say anything, but next year there's going to be a tour with Dokken and Lynch Mob together where Lynch Mob plays, Dokken plays, and then maybe they come out and do a couple of songs together. That is happening? That he said so next wow. year. He said he w- it may not be if, if Don goes, damn it, you weren't supposed to say anything. This is why I can't work with you, George. That would be an incredible show. I would go to that in a heartbeat. But you got to love that about George yeah. Lynch. I'm not supposed to say anything, but here's the thing I'm not supposed to say anything about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, every I think every fan gets those things in their head. It's like, you know, even with uh, like side projects like KXM, put, you know, Lynch Mob and, and uh, King's X and, and, you know, in front of Corn, And then, but, you know, uh, unfortunately, Ray drums so hard. And corn, I don't think you'd have the energy to go on and do another set. <laughs> right. Yeah, true. Yeah, I hear you. Cool, man. That's awesome. I like that. Sorry. Right, so, what do you got next? Next one, actually, uh, I, I kind of come along. And I mentioned King's X, and you guys again. Uh, I appreciate podcasts that do this. Have carried the flag of King's X for you know a long time. Oh yeah. Um, I was going back through my list and make you know I, I'd originally had a, a lot longer list and and was cutting things by going back and looking at, okay, here's some old radio sucks. You know, okay. So they've covered this band. I'm going to knock them off. But, and, and obviously King's X was one of the bands I wanted to put on the list, but you guys have covered before. So I, I took those off, but a lead singer, Doug Pinnock also kind of in that Lynch mode at this point in his life, he's got like 50 billion projects he's working on. And, um, this is one that it kind of came out the other day, never toured, never, never did much of anything, but you know, just a kind of very cool album. It is, uh, you know, Doug is lead singer and bass player and troubles, Bruce Franklin, the guitarist. So, you know, obviously trouble for the fans who don't know that, uh, stoner, grungy, Sabbathy yep. type band. And, you know, you, you just put the, the funk and hard rocks, 
uh, soul of Doug Pinnock against, you know, these kind of trippy, doomy, sludgy guitars and Super Shine, the album um, was just something that it, it kind of came and went, but just has kind of stayed again, something that has stayed with me. It's like, I'll go back and visit, you know, in, in, the, in our day and age where we've got things like Frontiers who puts out a project every five minutes, finding something that stays with you over long term. I'm sure you guys know you, you, you've got a, a massive CD collection to go back and look at, you, you know, yeah. Oh man, I haven't listed that in years, Yeah. but for this one, for me, uh, you know, not only because of Doug's participation, but just, just kind of that cool combination the song that I picked out, uh, Shining On, probably would be the most, again, maybe radio friendly of the ones that come off there with more melody and groove.
but you know, it's just one of those things I kind of wanted that when I looked at the list, uh, say, you know, this could have been on the radio and, and exposed, um, I think both trouble and King's X to a wider audience. Yeah. That's a marvelous team up for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I forgot about that and I'd too. never even heard of this before. Well, never I, in my life, I, I so bad want to go find this whole album now. Yeah. I hadn't heard of super shine. I did shining on is actually a grand funk railroad cover song. Is it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I knew they had out. an album called that, but I didn't yeah. realize that was a cover. But it, I mean, not exactly a super well-known song either. Right. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's it, some interesting, you know, contributors on this thing. You've got uh, Jeff from Trouble, as you mentioned, and then um, Jerry Gaskell plays drums on some yeah. of the songs on this. <clears throat> then uh, yep. Wally Farkas from Galactic Cowboys, which said Galactic Cowboys and King's X will always be lumped in together. They're just sort of like sister bands. Yeah, but they're pretty unsung themselves. They are. A lot of good stuff from that band, too. But, yeah, I this I, told, I missed this one in 2000. I had yeah. no idea it even came out. It came out on Metal Blade, even. This is the first time I'm hearing of it, and I want more. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would. You know, I, it just unfortunately did not. It, one of those projects that didn't go forward, probably because it didn't sell really well. Right. I feel like as a Kings X fan that we're we're a huge group and unto ourselves, but you know we're a very small pocket of the actual music <laughs> music industry. Right. Um, and Trouble as well. It was a band that I would kind of stumbled up onto back in the tape trading days, and and so. But again, that relatively you know unknown outside the circles that listen to that, and and you know Trouble, a new version of Trouble exists today, but the rest of the bands in a, in, in another uh, band called The Skull, um, kind of doing the same thing. So, but yeah, it, you know, anytime I, anytime something comes out, Doug or Tyre Jerry from King's X, I'm on route to get it and check it out and see you know what i dig from it yeah yeah cool just like that one there's plenty to dig yeah all right so you got a couple picks left what do you got next for us well next one takes us way off the radar (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm sure most people have not heard of this band and i discovered them they opened a couple shows in indianapolis for jackal uh only to find out that uh nigel dupree jesse james dupree lead singer of jackal's son was in the band and they're called wayland yes I know this band. Yeah, and, I know them through the morning show that that uh, we listen to here, oh, Free Beer and Hot Beer Wings. And Hot Wings. Yeah, yeah, they they were like considered the house band for Free Beer and Hot Wings. Whenever they would do live shows, you know, do remote recordings, they they would have Waylon there to perform, yeah. and they 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 really pushed that band hard for a long time. And I remember everybody talking about them after I forget which year it was, but after one of the Kiss cruises. Oh yeah, that Waylon was on, and everybody <laughs> was all high on this new band, you know. So we had to check them out ourselves. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, it, it's kind of uh, the, the the brother-in-laws and I all go every uh, Black Friday. Jacko plays a concert here in Indianapolis at a place called the Eight Second Saloon, which is an old bowling alley they converted over um, to like really very cool concert venue. Mm. And uh, you know, uh, his Jesse James Dupree's wife comes from around this area, so my assumption is they come in for Thanksgiving with his wife's family, and and then they play the show the next day. <laughs> Pays for the vacation. <laughs> Right, exactly. And uh, but you know, we it, it's a good time, man. And, and you know, they've had, like I said, they've had Waylon out to open for him several times. And uh, the song is "Bloody Sunrise." I think you know when you when you guys spin it, people are going to get turned on to it. I'm black ties on the dirt road down in Arkansas. In an old truck Out running from the law 
how to fight. Running from the devil till the end of time. that they've got a new album out i don't have it yet so i can't really say that but if it's anywhere near the song quality of uh, the kind of stuff they were riding around the two times i saw them i'm i'm very much interested that's cool i like this band i like to see young up-and-coming bands still kind of playing to that rock and roll you know and these guys are a little different they got a little bit of that country tinge to them a little bit but it still rocks hard and awesome band they've got really cool videos and I think it's something people should definitely get into. Yeah, I'm happy we're getting to play some of their stuff today because, yeah, and they're Road Warriors too. Apparently, they do like over 250 shows per year, yeah. so they they tour out a lot. So I know they were talking about releasing something new in the fall of this year. I didn't know if it came out yet or not. Um, not totally sure. I'm not exactly positive either. I know that they just announced that you know the new album would be forthcoming at the end of this year, and and nice. so. Uh, uh, they are not playing this year at uh, uh, Black Friday, so I'm, I'm uh, unfortunately they've got an, an industrial band opening for them this year. What? <laughs> so <that ought> be- <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, Jackal. Well, you know whatever you whatever suits well, you, your boat, right? Get out there, uh, Trevor. <laughs> warm up the crowd for Jackal. Well, I don't know. Industrial and Jesse uses a chainsaw, so maybe it kind of fits together. Okay, well, that's uh, we'll see. We'll see if it stretches enough to go. <laughs> the headliner uses a chainsaw. The opening band sounds like one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't. Wow. You know, I didn't put any Jackal stuff on the thing because you know most of the stuff that stuff that Jackal releases is you know is usually a single that most people will hear. And there's some cool stuff that are bar- it's buried in their catalog, but it'd be kind of a more of a deep cuts thing than a. Um, maybe something that didn't hit the radio that should have. Right. That's all right. We're all listening to Jackal anyway. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. No, but yeah, Way- Wayland's definitely a, a cool, uh, definitely band that, you know, not only rocks, but has a, a good AOR sensibility. And I, I think people would, would just kind of dig at least the songs that I have. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, you got one pick left, but before we get into that, I, I want to thank you for first donating to the expo also for being a listener and, and coming on here and uh, turning a lot of people on to some really great music today. Yes, and I think it's always, always so important to remind oh. everybody out of all these awesome songs that we got introduced to today, out of all these bands that we may not have heard before, now what you can do is go ahead and support these artists. Now, if you found something today that you really dug and you got to have it, you go out, you buy it on Amazon, you go buy the CD, whatever you got to do, Get out there and support these artists because it's up to us. Yeah. Not just Chris, not just Patrick, not just myself, all of us to keep rock and roll alive. And that's the only way you can do it. When these bands are coming to your town, go see them. Yeah. Pick up a T-shirt. You know, Tell them you heard it on the Decibel Geek podcast. But whatever you do, get out there and support these bands and artists. Well, support the podcast that you love too, man. I like I said, I'm on the road a lot and listen to a lot of different things, and you guys are great. And and you know, I love the podcasts that I've been able to barrel down into and and just become fans of, and and especially the the variety. I think what another thing besides your guys' friendship that comes through, 
uh, and love of rock and roll is, you know, the diversity of things that you guys are able to do from radio sex to new blood to, you know, broadcasting from a, a Star Wars convention. That was awesome. <laughs> that was um, different. <laughs> It's great, you know, and digging in with, the, I, I don't know if you were, if I can't quite remember if you guys were the first, but, you know, bringing on like the, so the producers and some of the behind the scenes guys, mm-hmm. um, engineers and, and those people that tell those stories, you know, that's just, that's really interesting. It's, it's, it's neat to get those reflections and, 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 you know, I don't know how many albums that I own, CDs, MB3s, albums, cassettes, you know, Michael Wagner's name's on you know, right. um, and getting to hear you guys talk to him and, and relay those stories and, and talk about the, the the different albums and getting the albums unleashed even. Um, and I and I think you guys have all that different stuff that you mix in, and it's just really interesting to hear. Um, so it's not interview after interview after interview, uh, or not just uh, you know weeks of bullshitting each other. I guess <laughs> we try to mix it up. Well, the, but you guys do you guys do a great job and and like I said I I just you, you, because you were so diverse I I really had trouble I was like I didn't know what you were going to come out with me with so I was just thinking of all these different topics in my head and and so like if you ever want if you ever running short on ideas let me know and I'll <laughs> I'll throw you about half a dozen that I thought of just on a drive one morning nice that's awesome wow, we can use all yeah. the help we can get we'll be calling days. you one day soon yeah <laughs> and, you know we appreciate the kind words that means a lot coming yes. from you professor. Well, you know, you got you guys do. You give a lot of people entertainment, man. You are to take pride, and I, I tell people, you know, go support your, your podcast that you love because, man, you know, I, I, I did a small, a more work based one for me, uh, my own for a, a couple of years, and and people really don't realize they think, oh, you know, two guys that you can get some recording equipment, and just do it. But you know, the time and the effort, and and if you really want to do it right, to get the right equipment, and and it costs money, and and bandwidth, and storage, and and then you guys take on top of that, you're doing rock and pot. I'm like, oh man, this guy, you know, these guys deserve something. Let me, let me throw some bucks your way since I can do it. Well, thank nice. you. Any chance you can make it to rock and pot next year? I'm hoping. Um, I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep that area open next year and let's, let's hope that it's a, it's a go that I can come down and, and check out all the cool stuff that you guys do. Awesome. Right Love to have you. All right. So, uh, for your last pick, this will be the play out song today. Um, I know that we're going to get a listen from Sonny Hollywood Pooney just for this pick alone. And so a big thumbs up. I appreciate that. So uh, what are we going out with today, Patrick? Well, I thought we'd go out with a little attitude. Uh, Richie Cotton, coming up in that shred area, had his first couple albums that come out through Shrapnel and, and uh, had followed kind of just one of those persons followed his career. Uh, Mr. Big, obviously, for a while. And uh, now as a, uh, as a member with Mike Portnoy and Billy Sheehan, rocking it up um you know richie still uh, does all his solo stuff and and just crazed me and and so this one just was a, a song that just has reeks of a lot of attitude and, and uh, a little foul language in there gotta give it up because the podcast world you can do this yes the song is called you can't save me awesome well richie Cotson plays all the instruments on that album does he sings everything he That's does crazy it all. awesome wow love it. i love it too so uh Patrick, thanks again for coming on. and uh, Awesome picks, man. Yeah. Perfect. Loved them. And uh, thanks for everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. I sold my soul Just so I could feel paid I broke my heart So I couldn't feel pain I lost my faith Cause I can't just
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 